0: Hello, welcome to my two cents podcast where today I will be giving you my review of all the wrestling's double or nothing pay-per-view that happened last night. It ended early Monday morning if you're on the east coast of the United States. Without further ado, let's start off with the show on double or nothing. The first match of the night was a highly anticipated matchup of MJF versus Warlow, But the stipulation was if Warlow wins, he's out of the contract with MJF and he'll be able to sign with AEW. But if he loses... He will no longer be able to sign with AEW, and he is under MJF. Uh, Warlow will win the match by pinfall when Warlow would powerbomb MJF 10 times, then cover him to win the match. This match was a complete squash match. Um, If we're going to be honest here, MJF tried cowardly ways to get out of the matchup whenever uh, Warlow was going to hit him with one powerbomb, but MJF reversed it, got into a 100 corona. And got like a one count, I believe. And then Warlow kicked out. And then he started yelling about his leg being hurt. And you see Warlow not paying no attention. Even the ref didn't really pay no attention. And then you see MGF like on his knees and pulling the dynamite, diamond ring out of his tights and put it on his pinky, right? Like in the middle of the ring, the referee walked over to MGF, saw the ring on his finger, grabbed it off his pinky. And then discarded it, and you see MGF try to figure out another way to get out of this. Ultimately, Warlow and MGF would get in the ring. MGF would try to tell Warlow that he'll pay him double his pay, triple his pay, quadruple his pay. When he got to the four times the pay, Warlow uh, shook hands with MGF, but then he held on to MGF's. Hand as MGF tried to walk away, and MGF knew that that was doomed right there, because when MGF turned around to see Warlow's face, Warlow smiled right in his face, kicked him in the gut, powerbombed him one time. And then you start seeing him get real cocky after powerbombing him once. Then he goes for it again, does it a second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. He puts his foot on MGF's chest, and then as the referee got to the two count, and he's about to hit the three, Warlow smoothly took his foot off MGF's chest and just walked around the ring a little bit, and the fans were eating it up, and the fans were chanting for one more time, and Warlow obliged, gave him to him for the sixth time. Fans started chanting one more time and gave it to him for another one, so that's up to seven. And now they all started to chant for 10. 10. 10. So Warlow obliged, he ultimately, gave MGF ten power bombs to beat mgf and now he's out of the contract with mgf mgf will get stretchered out so we won't be seeing mgf for a bit that's to while they're going to be writing mgf off like i told you i think mgf is going to be gone for a little bit if you didn't hear me say that it was on uh, saturday's episode of wrestling highlights of the week you can still check that out now um i said that world i said that warlow would win and mgf is going to be off television for a minute because Forbidden Doors coming up, and MJF has already made it tweeted out like I believe a month or a couple weeks ago that he doesn't want to be a part of Forbidden Doors. So I see this as a way to write him off for this next month and probably even two months, and then you're gonna see MJF pop right back up now. Um, but Warlow would be MJF, MJF will get stretched out, and Warlo would walk up on the ramp. Tony Giovanni will walk up to Warlo and tell him that Tony Giovanni, well, that Tony Khan has signed Warlow to a contract to AEW and tell him that he is now all elite. The fans will be cheering for Warlow, saying you deserve it. Warlow will be mouthing off to the fans, thank you, blowing kisses to him, and then he walks to the back. So Warlow is now officially a part of the AEW roster. After this, you will have the Young Bucks going against the Hardys. The Hardys would win the match by pinfall when the Hardys would hit their twist of fate, swan Dom bomb combination on Nick Jackson, For the win, Uh, it was a solid match between the Hardys and the Young Bucks. It isn't like their other matches that they had in, what, 2017? That was the last time they had a match, and that was in Ring of Honor, like the night before they went back to WWE at WrestleMania the night before. And um, you know that the Hardys are getting older. Obviously, they can't do... They're not as nimble as they once were. The Young Bucks are still able to move around and get all that type of stuff, so... And uh, Jeff wasn't moving around as Jeff usually does. He kind of was stiff in this match a little bit, so Matt kind of had to do a lot of the work. But there was a highlight, like, spot moment in this matchup where Matt Jackson was on, like, the steel step, but not, like, the regular steel step, like, where you just, like, walk your feet on. No, the steel step was on a side, and Matt Jackson was on the side of the steel step. Jeff Hardy would go to the top, turnbuckle jump off hit a swanton bomb on matt jackson and that like got the fans really oh my god type moment because again jeff hardy he was stiff in his matchup and uh he couldn't really move around like jeff would again because he's getting older and also because he's taking a whole lot of risky spots and all that type of stuff in his career so jeff even be able to do what he did tonight wasn't a bad thing matt always would have been the guy to like carry the team So I believe people are now putting more respect on Matt Hardy's name. And I think people are starting to see that now. And if people go back to their past work, they'll see that Matt Hardy was always like the fundamentals guy of the tag team while Jeff Hardy was always the uh, daredevil, uh, free risk type guy. But anyway, the Bucks will lose this matchup. Hardy's would win. After this TBS Championship matchup, Anna Jay going against Jay Cargill. Jay Cargill would win the match by pinfall, retaining her TBS championship when both ladies were fighting on the top turnbuckle. And Anna got distracted when Stokely Hathaway, formerly known as Malcolm Bivens in WWE NXT developmental, if you knew him for uh, managing the diamond mine the last time you saw him, he would make his way walking down to the ring and Anna got distracted. This would allow Jade to grab Anna and hit a super jaded off the second turnbuckle and... Pin her for the win. So it seems to me after the match got done, uh jay Cargill, Kira Hogan, Rev velvet and Stokely Hathaway were standing all side by side with each other. And it seemed like this is their new group. Because during the matchup of Jade and Anna, you saw um Mal not Malcolm uh God, what's homeboy's name? Mark Sterling. He comes down to the ring, he tries to distract the ref. He does distract the referee. He slides in his crutch in the in the ring to uh Jade. But Jade and Anna are doing tug of war with it. Anna's able to get the uh crutch, hit Jade with it, hit a Russian leg sweep. Didn't win, obviously. Uh John Silver would run down to the ring, give Mark Sterling a brain buster on the outside, and that will wipe out Mark Sterling. So I think Mark is gonna be off TV for a minute. So now Jade needs somebody to uh just be her little side piece person at the moment and Stokely Hathaway, perfect guy to do it. It um, look, anyway, after the match, you saw Kiera Hogan, Velvet, Red Velvet, and uh, Jade lay there about to attack Anna Jay. But then you see Chris Statlander running down to the ring to stand right beside Anna to make sure she wasn't going to get attacked. And then you hear music playing and then the camera floats over to the entrance and it, Reads on a titantron, a fallen goddess, and then it reads Athena, and then Athena walks out, and that's the formerly known as uh, Ember Moon in the WWE, and people have been wanting Ember Moon or Athena now, that was her independent name before she got signed to WWE, so they wanted her to be away from WWE after she got her release to go to AEW, so I don't, how long has it been? It's only been a couple months. Since she got released, I believe, yeah, a couple months, I believe, like, what, January? January ish? She got released. She was with the other group of talent that got released, too, in January, I believe. And, um, it didn't take her long. I'll just say it right now. It didn't take her long to get to AEW. She was doing some independent stuff, but she's now in AEW. She got in the ring. It was, she was locked up eye to eye with Jade while Anna and Chris Stanley, they're locked up with the other baddies, uh, Car, uh, not Gaga, God, Cara Hogan, and Red Velvet. While Stokely had to bring uh, the ladies out, he had to take Jade and the baddies out of the ring, and Anna J, Chris Statlander, and Athena held the ring down. So it tells you that Athena is going after Jade, and that's going to be like Jade's biggest like uh, pressure cooker type matchup because Athena no- is known for being that woman that people love to cheer for. a.k.a. when she had her uh rivalry with Shayna Baszler. People loved uh, uh Ember Moon or Athena Ember Moon whatever you want to call her. And before then, even whenever Athena was in NAC when she got in there with Oscar, people wanted to see her dethrone Oscar and that didn't happen. So fans already have this perception of Ember Moon, Athena, whatever you want to call her that she might be the one to take the TBS title off of Jade since Jade has been on this monster role of just dominating everybody. And personally, I can see it happening, but I don't know how the fan base will take it with a... They're going to say a former WWE person taking it... Yeah, whatever. I don't know how they're going to handle it. Me, I can see it happening. And that's cool. Because Jade has ran through everybody. The only person that she hasn't ran through yet is Britt Baker. And I can see her beating Britt Baker because in... Re- and let's be honest, if you put Britt Baker next to Jade, Britt should not beat Jade Cargo, and I don't want to see it. So th- right now, the only other person I can see her, Jade Cargo really losing that belt to is Athena, and I'll be cool with that. Anywho, after this, we would get Death Triangle going against House of Black, the big six-man or trios matchup to end their rivalry. Uh, the House of Black would win the match by pinfall when Pack was on the top turnbuckle, looking to hit the Black Arrow on malachi black but the lights will go out and once they turn back on you saw julia hart standing right in front of pack and spray him in the face with black mist and pack would get off the turnbuckle in a frenzy because he just got sprayed in the face he's trying to wipe his face off but he ends up getting a roundhouse kick to the head or black mass uh to the head by malachi and then malachi will cover pack for the win so julia hart is now a part of the house of black That has been going on for months and months and months. So now we finally got the payoff that was leading it up to. And we got it on a pay-per-view. Cool and all. Again, this is one of the matches I said they could have been on Dynamite or Rampage. Same thing with Anna Jade or Jay Cargo. But I can see why they did not do that with Anna Jade and Jay Cargo. Because you wanted that big pop for Athena. And that usually happens on the pay-per-view. So I can understand why that match was on here. For that reason. But this match, Death Triangle and House of Black, even though it was extremely great because you had all these guys pulling out everything out of the basket that they can't. You had uh, Penta doing a Canadian Destroyer on Buddy Matthews on the ring apron. You had Brody King um, doing a Top Gun Hilo and like top of his half of his body hit the ring apron while another half hit the other competitor. So I know Brody's probably got some ice pack on his back. You had House of Black actually working as a cohesive unit. You've been telling that they actually have been getting in the ring uh, on their off days and working on their maneuvers together. I mean, House of Black worked together in this. Death Triangle, they're already Death Triangle. Like I said, they're cemented already in AEW's fabric, so these guys were already straight. They already had uh, combinations. They already had the fluidity in the ring. House of Black just needed to work on it in this Matches showed that they worked on it, and they perfected started getting their stuff together so how's the black winning this was great, but I just wish it was on a dynamite or a rampage just at least would have cut the show shorter than than the time slot that they had um but how's the black won the matchup? not mad at it after this we had the men's finals of the Owen Hart Foundation tournament. It was Samoa Joe going against Adam Cole Adam Cole would win the matchup by Penfall and also thanks to some shenanigans from Bobby Fish. Because Cole would get locked in the, I believe, the Coquina Clutch. Bobby Fish would get on the ring, apron, distract the ref. Samoa Joe would attack Fish. But then you see Joe turn back to Adam Cole. Cole kicks Joe in the arm that's already injured a little bit. And then he kicks him in the knee. Then he kicks him in the face multiple times. Then delivers the boom on Samoa Joe. Pin him. And that's how you get Adam Cole as your men. Uh winner of the Men's Owen Hart Foundation Tournament. I told you, again, Adam Cole. I suspected him to win. I did not suspect Samoa Joe to win. I suspect Adam Cole because Adam Cole already had a whole lot of things in his pockets. He had uh, Undisputed Era, and he had... I thought we were going to get a Bullet Club guy like Jay White coming down because Jay White has been uh, collaborating with Adam Cole from time to time when you would see Jay White on AEW television. And since we are on the road to Forbidden Door, I thought that we were opening up that situation here. But that did not happen. You had Bobby Fish coming down for Adam Cole. But I knew Adam was winning. So I'm not shocked by that uh, turn of events. And um, Adam Cole and Samojo had a good match. That's or That was a given. Adam Cole came out in pink gear to represent the Heart Found- Foundation, a tournament for Owen Hart in the Hart family. Uh, this was a good match, it's just that I just wish there were no shenanigans, but I kind of already suspected there were going to be shenanigans with it. That's my only like harping point on this. When you have a tournament that's dedicated to a man that's so well-respected as Owen Hart, I would think that you would want to plan it out to make sure that no shenanigans would go down, even though you're trying to like further a storyline plot. You could... Do that sometime. Else. This type of tournament doesn't need uh, shenanigans. This is straight up just one on one professional wrestling, peer professional wrestling at its finest. I know Joe and Adam Cole can do that because they have done that years and years, matches and matches. I just wish that there was no shenanigans involved, even though I knew there was going to be. That's my only snag with this match. The ending shenanigans. Again, Owen Hart, dead guy people love him, he hasn't been in the wrestling industry for a long time, because the wife and the, his sons and daughter was trying to preserve uh, his legacy as much as they can, and now that AEW got the rights to use Owen Hart, thanks to Owen's wife, Martha, and the kids, you do a tournament, and you get a bad guy to win, in bad guy fashion of shenanigans, it's just, eh, it doesn't It doesn't really rock the right way, but Adam Cole being, everybody knows the outside work of Adam Cole, him actually being a legit, thoroughbred, nice guy, it doesn't leave that bad of a taste in your mouth. It's just that you got Bobby Fish or even like any type of shenanigans just happening. That's just my whole thing, takeaway from it. But still, good match between Joe and Cole. Still good. Um, After this, we get the women's. Uh, Finals of the Owen Hart tournament is Britt Baker going against Ruby Soho. Britt Baker would win the match by pinfall when they paid homage to uh, Brett and Owen's match at WrestleMania 10 by doing the exact same uh, ending maneuver where um, Britt had Ruby on her shoulders and Ruby went for the victory roll. But Britt would counter it and end up pinning Ruby. And that's how Britt would win the matchup. There was no shenanigans in this. There was no... uh, Britt did not have her people come down to the ring, so this was a legit one-on-one matchup between the two ladies, and Ruby had Britt dead to rights when she locked in a sharpshooter, but she just couldn't, like, she couldn't finish Britt off because Britt would get to the ropes, and that's what basically sealed Ruby's fate there. Once you have the sharpshooter locked in and you don't get your opponent to tap out in it, and this is an Owen Hart, or, or just in general, a Hart tournament, you want to get your opponent to tap out off the sharpshooter? Yeah, you know you're kind of done for. Um, Britt will win the matchup. You saw a lot of people on Twitter talk about how Britt doesn't need it. Shoot, I said it on uh, Saturday's episode. I didn't think Britt would need it because Britt doesn't need it. She held the Women's Championship for almost a solid by-God year. She just dropped the title in, what, April? No, not April. March, Aprilish. one of the two. And now she's in the finals of the bread of the Owen Hart tournament and she ends up winning it. I even had some little bit of problems with it, but then I thought, you know what? Hey man, Martha probably has some saying it maybe. I'm not holding that on her, but if Martha has no problem with it, who am I? So, hey, that's cool. And even after the fact, after the match, you saw Britt Baker extend her hand out to Ruby Soho, and Ruby took it and uh, Britt helped Ruby get up to her feet and then walked away. So this is kind of throwing in a little bit of a, a turning of the page a little bit for Britt Baker. So I can see Britt now turning into the good person, Britt Baker, slowly but surely. I see that's where we're going to be heading into. Uh, after this, you will see Britt and Adam Cole on the ramp, well, on the entrance stage. And you see a table right there with the Owen Hart trophy and two sacks one sack on each side of the uh, trophy. You see Tony Khan walk out with Martha Hart. Martha Hart would speak some kind words to the wrestling fans. She mentioned how the Owen Hart tournament is going to be happening every year. And um, she's just happy that they preserved Owen's legacy and that they were able to do it in this company. And a whole lot of nice words. People were saying that this is the equivalent to Owen Hart's uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony because I don't think Martha's ever going to allow Owen Hart to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. So this is the closest that we're going to get. That's what people were saying. And I can see exactly where they're going with because I don't ever see Martha letting Owen Hart go into WWE Hall of Fame. I don't care. I don't see it. Um, she will present Adam Cole and Britt Baker, the belts that were in those sacks next to the trophy. Adam Cole would get uh, Owen Hart championship belt and the, the strap was black with like pink, uh, lining on the strap with, and I believe in the details you see it, they got like little hearts formed in like the stitching of this pink for his belt and for Britt Baker's belt. is the same identical belt, but for her, it's a pink strap with black lining, and you like get like black hearts, little black hearts in that belt. It's a nice design. If you go and Google it, it is a nice. Uh, structured championship belt. I'm not mad at that at all complete. That's a nice belt. Um. So, Britt Baker, Adam Cole, your winners for the Owen Hart tournament. Even though I ain't going to front, I would have loved Ruby because Ruby does need something. And I see Ruby Soho being like the Sami Zayn for the AEW women's division. Always getting so far and almost reaching and almost grabbing the brass ring or grabbing the championship, but then something just snag it away from her. Same way that Sami Zayn did in 2014 until he finally won it against Pac or better known as Neville in the WWE at the time. And he got his championship moment at the last uh, takeover in 2014. Hopefully, Ruby gets that somewhere down the line because Ruby is a credible competitor. She was brought into AEW um, with a whole lot of fanfare and love when she got brought in at All Out. So hopefully we get that, maybe down the line. That's what I'm hoping for Ruby, seriously. At this, we get our six-person intergender uh, matchup. Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, Paige Van Zandt going against Ty Conti, Sammy Guevara, and Kazarian. Scorpio Sky would win the match for his team by pinfall when Kaz and Ty were having a disagreement in the ring. And once Kaz turned around, Sammy threw a super kick towards him. But Kaz ducked it. Sammy would hit Ty Conti in the face. Sammy would look shocked by this. And he would just keep on looking at Ty. That she's knocked down on the mat. And he just so, like, deer in headlights moment. You see Kaz throw him out of the ring. And once Kaz turns around, Page would kick Kaz on the side of the head. And then Scorpius Sky would grab Kaz up. Hit a TKO. Pin him. That's sick. So Kazarian and Sammy Guevara are no longer getting TNT championship opportunities as long as Scorpio Sky is holding the TNT title. A uh, solid six-person matchup. We the big question mark was how is Paige Van Gazant gonna do? Paige VanZ did fine. I mean, she did a couple moves here and there in the matchup, but those came like real like late, late in the match. So the only people that were really dominating the match was like Ethan, Scorpio, Sammy, and Kaz so take what you want from this the big takeaway is sammy and kaz not getting tt championship opportunities nowhere soon as long as scorpio got the tt title and also later in the pay-per-view you will saw scorpio ethan the men of the year and page and dan Lambert in the back celebrating talking about how they finally got sammy and kaz out of the way and now they can no longer get championship opportunities and Scorpio saying, like, who wants some? Who's next? You see, Dante Martin walk up with the Scorpio saying that he wants next for the TNT title. So, I believe we're going to get Scorpio going against uh, Dante Martin this upcoming Wednesday on Dynamite. I believe so. After this, we would get Kyle O'Reilly versus Darby Allen. Kyle O'Reilly would win the match, but Pinfo, and Kyle will hit a big knee drop from the top turnbuckle onto Darby Allen for the win. This was a nice, strong. Hitting matchup between both guys. Kyle O'Reilly came out strong. Hitting a big knee on Darby Allen in the mouth. Busting Darby in the mouth. You see towards the end of the matchup. uh, Kyle O'Reilly using Darby's chain. And trying to uh, lock it around Darby's mouth. Ends up breaking. He ends up uh, punk kicking Darby three times in the chest. Going up to the top. uh, Jumping knee. Darby, on the other hand, if you get some offenses here and there, you know Darby, he has to do a whole lot of hit-hit combinations, a whole lot of speed moves, and a whole lot of things that will put himself in danger. He did that a lot in this matchup with Kyle, but the main takeaway for me is that this was another matchup I believe that didn't need to be on the roster, on the card, that you could have easily took this one off to re- decline this uh card and really cut the time. Same thing with the six-person matchup that I just had with uh, the men of the year, Paige Van Zandt, going against Sammy and his group. That's another one that could have been off this thing. I wished you would have took it off. Tony, seriously. Tony Khan, you got to start condensing your pay-per-views to which people will actually be like, okay, yo, I got my money's worth. you really trying to squeeze in as much people as you can on your pay-per-view, I understand that, but you got to do it until it makes sense. WrestleMania is a two per two uh, night card. And even then it was like what three hours. Your pay-per-view went for four hours and thirty some odd minutes, my guy. And that's not including the uh pre-show. If you were to do the pre-show, legitimately, I believe your pay-per-view was if we go to count it all, was about four hours and uh fifty minutes. Oh yeah, I forgot to say. Hook and uh, Dan Housen beat Mark Sterling and Tony niece That was obvious. Uh, Hook would hit Tony Nese's, um partner, Mark Sterling, with a side T-bone suplex. He was about to uh, beat him up more, clobber him a little bit more. Dan Housen asked for the tag. Dan Housen got the tag. He ends up putting his foot on Mark Sterling, cover him, ta-da. Um, Again, Tony, uh, Tony Khan, you got to... Sh- shorten and condense your pay-per-views, my guy, because then all these other matches after this will feel much more special. Because I believe this next matchup right here, the AEW Women's Championship matchup, Serenity and Thunder Rosa, they were, they fell to their booking uh, mistake, if you will. Because Thunder Rosa, Serenity, they had a good match. They, it was straight, but the fans weren't like all into it because they've been already there for so long. Uh, by the way, Thunder Rosa would win the match by a pinfall when Thunderwood hits a superplex and then float over and hit a fire thunder driver on Serena Deed for the win. So Thunder Rosa is still your AEW women's champion. And also, while we're still taking notes here, Tony, uh, put Serena Deed in a situation where she goes back back with Thunder Rosa and give them some time on Rampage or give them some time. On Dynamite. One of the two to make up for this flaw that you did on this pay-per-view. Seriously. Serena D to Thunder Rolls. Two credible, credible women wrestlers. You got to give them more time, my guy. You got to give them more time so that people can care about what you're... The product that you're throwing out. Especially when it comes down to your women's world champion. Because that's your women's world champion. The main title for the women. You want them... You want the women to go after that belt. You still want to go after the TBS title, the one that Jade has, but since Jade has already demolished and destroyed everyone, you need the rest of your women's roster to go after Thunder Rosa in that World Championship and have that feel as special as a TBS title is being feeling special on Jade Cargill's shoulder. So, again, put Serena D, Thunder Rosa back in the matchup on Rampage or Dynamite. Give him enough time and then after that, start building Thunder Rosa's Uh, championship reign to a credible position the same way that you're doing with Jade and I applaud you the way you're doing with Jade because Jade is money and people care for Jade I want people to do the same thing for Thunder Rosa people care for Thunder Rosa but you're not giving her time on television so I'm just trying to say do that please after this we have the Anarchy in the Arena match Uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society going against Eddie Kingston Santana, Ortiz, John Moxley and Brian Danielson uh, the Jericho appreciates the society would win by referee stoppage when Jericho had Brian Danielson and a single leg Boston crab and Jake Hager had the top, uh, turn the top rope because the ropes already, the top rope was like this, uh, unhooked off the thing. So you, anybody can grab it. He had it around Brian Danielson's throat and choked him out, and the referee had to call for the bell, so that's how the Jericho Appreciation Society would win. This match was complete Uh, craziness. You had um, Santana Ortiz beating up on 2.0 on the outside of the ring in the crowd, and you had them put them through tables when both members of 2.0 were on tables. Santana Ortiz got ladders respectively, each their own. They climbed up their ladder, and they jumped off and scored. Like cracked and put 2.0 through their tables, so that took out Santana Ortiz and 2.0 out of the matchup. Later, after this, you had um, Jericho and Moxley fighting down in the down the ring. You had Brian going after Hager, and then you had Eddie Casey Daniel Garcia fighting around backstage to get, I believe, into a uh, loading dock, and you don't see them no more. Until like later, towards the end of the matchup, where Brian Danielson has uh Chris Jericho in the LaBelle lock or the yes lock, if you know it more for WWE, and Kingston's coming down with blood all over his face, bloody t shirt. He has a gasoline jug in his hands, and he starts walking down into the ring. He's just not even caring anymore. He unlooses the gasoline uh, l- jug's lid. It starts pouring it onto Jericho. He pulls a lighter out of his pocket. You see Brian get off the Jericho, and he has to push Kingston. And Kingston drops the lighter. He doesn't light nobody on fire, but Kingston's pissed at Brian, and he goes after Brian and starts a uh, single leg taking down Brian. You see Brian and Kingston going at it. Moxley has to play the peacemaker, but by this time it was already too late. Moxley uh, gets thrown out of the ring and he gets sent through two tables and then the top table of the second table had barbed wire on it so moxley's out after this you see jericho hit uh kingston with the judas effect and then you see them do what they did to brian king uh jericho put brian in a single legs crab jake hager takes the top rope and wrap it around brian's throat and then he pulls on it until brian gives up. So Jericho appreciates society would win the matchup by referee Stavich. And Remember what I told you, I said that what's basically going to happen is that Kingston and Brian is not going to work. That team wasn't going to work because Kingston is going to get into a situation. And I believe I said with Brian. and that's exactly what happened. So now I think the better part of Satan Tan Ortiz is going to talk to Kingston, try to figure out what's up with him. Cause Kingston said he's not in a good place right now. He's really not in a good place because Jericho keeps on testing him and he's making him turn back into that old guy that he doesn't want to go back into. So I see this as further character development. And the only person that's probably gonna pull Kingston out of this dark hole is John Moxley. That's the way I see this going. If I'm wrong, shoot, I'm glad to be wrong because everything that Kingston's doing is a great thing. Cause I've been a fan of Kingston for a long time. But uh, we'll just see how this goes. But Jericho Appreciation Society did win. After this, we would get a video package of Andrade El Idolo, and he's somewhere, and ultimately he ends up bringing in Roosh. Roosh is a former Ring of Honor champion, and he's also Andrade's uh, former partner, who started uh, Los Igor Nobles. Day de, not Dejapon, but just Los Igor Nobles in CMLL. Um, those two started the group with, I believe, two more guys or one more guy either way in CMLL. I can't remember, but, um, he's now in AEW. So Andrade now has his former tag partner in, uh, AAA. I'm cool with it. I just wish that AEW would look at their roster. Tony, you gotta look at your roster and see who you're using, who you're not using. I say this right now. I feel that you're going to use Rampage as your second show. All the stars you're not using on Dynamite, you're gonna put them on Rampage. And then you're gonna to have to switch swap. You're gonna to have to start putting storylines on Rampage and then you're gonna to have to be putting them sometimes on Dynamite. The same way that you did with uh, Team Taz and Swerve and Keith Lee. The way that they was started out on Rampage and then you start putting it on Dynamite. You're gonna to have to now start switching that over now too. I see you're gonna to have to start be putting some Dynamite feuds on its Rampage and then Rampage page on the Dynamite the way you're already doing. Just kind of keep on switch swat, uh, switching. Because you have a bloated roster, my guy. Your roster is bloated with a whole lot of talent on the men's side. Women's side, it's stable right now. That's a good number of women that you got because you still only got two women championships. So, I mean, the women uh, that you have for your roster, work with them and do what you can with them before you try to sign any more other talented females. People are saying that you might sign Dakota Kinex. If you do, let that be your last one. And start working on the female talent that you do have. Because before, because I don't want you to have a bloody female roster talent. And everybody's going to say, oh my god, you have such a big talent. But you're not using this person, that person, that person. The same way that we're doing when you get this uh, men's roster that you got. Because you got all these plethora of guys. And you're doing absolutely nothing with some of them. Some weeks we see them. One week, next week we don't see them. Or it'll be weeks that we don't see them, and then they'll pop up mysteriously again. And we're like, "Oh my God, he's still here! Wasn't even a few with this thing?" What? See, this what I'm saying. Your roster is big on the men's side. You got to start looking at who you can use and who you don't use, and try to figure out a way. And if you need to, hurry up and try to find a way that you can rerun up uh, Ring of Honor, because that will quickly start putting some of your Talent that you don't use over into Ring of Honor. And there you go. But we shall see longer into the future. I'm just, again, throwing out a couple ideas and suggestions for you to use. After this, we will have the triple threat tag team matchup for the AEW World Tag Team titles. The Jurassic Express putting up their tag team championships against uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Going against the FTW World Champion Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, Jurassic Express would win the matchup by pinfall when they would hit the Jurassic Express. Uh, that's the move called. It's an alley-oop, an assisted alley-oop powerbomb on Swerve Strickland for the win. Uh, solid triple threat tag matchup. I mean, it's cool. Everybody was kind of already uh, tired by this time. I'm not going to front with you. I was kind of like, uh, tired. So... This match seems cool, I gotta watch it back again just to make sure of it, but the last few sequences were straight because always, when the last couple of minutes uh, go down everybody tries to get their stuff in, everybody tries to go boom, 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 quick, 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 quick whatever they gotta do to get to the crescendo, the top is peak to end the match off and the ending of the match was basically Jurassic Express hitting their tag finish on Swerve Strickland. Uh, no Christian uh, in Jurassic Uh, Express going at it. I thought Christian was going to turn on him. It didn't happen. Christian's still riding with him. I wonder when it's going to happen because it seems that it's coming close. But it hasn't happened yet. But we'll still be on the lookout for that. Now, finally, main event. AEW World Championship matchup. Hangman Page going against CM Punk. Does Hangman still retain his title or do we crown a new AEW World Champion? Well... We will be crowning a new AEW World Champion when CM Punk would win the match by pinfall when Hangman was looking to hit the buckshot lariat, but Punk caught him and had him on the shoulder for the GTS. Page would kick the referee in the head, and then he would hit Punk with a lariat, and now both men are down on the mat. Hangman would get the AEW World Championship, and he's now having this inner turmoil battle with himself. Does he hit Punk with the championship, or does he not? He goes back and forth with it. Punk is to his feet. Hangman looks at Punk. He runs over to him. Punk puts his hands up. Hangman has to stop himself. He looks at the title one more time. He throws the title down. And you will see Hangman try to go back for the Buckshot Lariat on Punk again. Punk will grab him, hit him, nail him with his GTS. The referee was up. Punk covered Hangman, one, two, three. CM Punk is now your new AEW World Champion. Um, Solid match again. This match was the last match of a four-hour and over pay-per-view. Uh, The fans in Las Vegas were still kicking it there. You had dueling chants of let's go Punk, let's go Hangman, screw you Hangman. I mean, just booing Punk. The fans booed Punk, by the way, whenever Punk screwed up on doing the Buckshot Larry, not once, but twice. Um, But the main thing to take away is that we are now entering a new era of AEW where CM Punk is now world champion. Will we see the things of which Kingston, MGF, and even Hangman talked about? Will we see a Older dickhead version of CM Punk come out. Oh, we still gonna get this happy go lucky guy that's happy to be here. He wants to make this place better. All that stuff that in which he said when he won the WWE Championship the first time he ran and held the WWE Championship before he lost it in a uh, two, 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 two. yeah, before he lost it in uh SummerSlam, but then he ends up winning again and he talks about he wants to uh, run in take the championship to higher heights. Will we get basically that version of punk here in AEW? Will we get the guy that's just wants to make this place a better place? Or will we get a nefarious dickhead punk that has some real undercutting backstabbing lines that he wants to get across in AEW, be this evil tyrant in AEW, the way that Kingston says that CM Punk is the way that MJF kind of remembers CM Punk. If you remember the summer punk of, uh, Ring of Honor, where he just straight up said that, yo, he's going to take this Ring of Honor championship, go to WWE, throw it in the trash, and blah, blah, blah. It's just, or are we going to see the version of this cruel guy that who we all think is nice because he's been out of the business for long and he comes back, and now whenever he thinks the camera's not around, we're going to see him be this bitter, salty dude, basically being a bitter old man. That's a new concept, which we're in with CM Punk. It's real different because everybody's been wondering, when is this, hey, I'm just happy to be here, guy, Mantra going to end with punk? It's a real uh, crazy thing. I'm not mad at Hangman Lost, because again, I said it on Saturday's episode, I've said it on past previous episodes, and I will continue to say it into the future because nobody's going to doubt me on this, and I think everybody that's been watching the product is going to say the exact same thing. Hangman's run as AEW World Champion was extremely lackluster. It was not the greatest championship reign in their history. As a matter of fact, Thunder Rose is on that exact same path right now, and I'm hoping that Tony can fix that. But if she doesn't, she's going to follow the Hangman path of being on television from time to time. And if you're on television, you're not doing anything of relevance. That was basically Hangman's whole championship brain. He beats Kenny Omega, the greatest wrestler at AEW at that time. He beats him. Okay, cool. He entered a program with Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson. Don't care. He gets to do that. He has two great matches with Bryan Danielson. Then, after that, he gets into a, a thing with Lance Archer. They have a, a Texas death match. Great Texas death match. He beats him there. He has two feuds, two matches with Adam Cole, one in Revolution and one on Rampage. He beats Adam there. And all of those feuds, the only ones that felt like main event worthy at that time was literally Brian Danielson's one. Brian Danielson's one with Heyman felt like it was of heavyweight main event status, but they were always like wrestling on the first they were always like being the first matches that you see. They were the first matches that you see. You're always like, why are we seeing them maybe in the first match? It doesn't make sense. So, okay, you bypass that. Him and Adam Cole. Yeah, they were in the main event of some Dynamite and Rampage episodes, but that didn't feel like a main event situation. And then even then, whenever he took his break off of Brian Danielson. He didn't wasn't on Rampage nor Dynamite for a minute. And then you see Lance Archer pop out and say he wants Hangman. And then it just didn't feel like a main event champion caliber run that Hangman was on. Everybody that was watching the product and everybody that is watching the product is going to say the exact same thing. Every reviewer, everybody else, everybody's going to say the exact same thing. And I'm telling you verbatim, his run wasn't that great. Championship matches great great championship matches but he just didn't feel like a world champion now with punk holding the title punk's gonna make it feel like a world championship because he hasn't been world champion and about 11 years think about that he hasn't been world champion in 11 years and you to tell me punk who's every feud who he's been in with aew has been up top notches when he came in he had a Match with Darby Allen in those few couple weeks. They built it up for best in the world. CM Punk, I don't know if I can still do it, but we're going to try to find out. That's the match that you guys want to see it all out. That he made that worth something. Him and Darby made that worth something. That would be the match that everybody wants to see it all out. Him and Kingston at full gear. They only got, what, two, two weeks to build that matchup? And that was one of the best matches that you wanted to see on that full gear card because those two had legitimate hatred. Kingston more on the Punk side than Punk let the world know on his side. Then you fast forward to Punk and MJF. Great feud. Idol versus person that looked up to him. A.K.A. this was the story of never meet your idol. In in this case of MJF situation. So that storyline was great. And then you get Punk versus Hangman. And they really didn't build that up until what? couple weeks, CM Punk is going to make you care about his feud. CM Punk is going to make you care. And now with him being world champion, I want to see who he's going to go in first. I don't think Adam Cole is going to be first. And since we're building up the forbidden door, I don't know where we're going to lead into that. Again, I think we're going to might be going into champion versus champion, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to see. It maybe might be even uh, Punk and Okada going against the two top contenders for New Japan and AEW, we might get that because again, I still have a struggle with Punk wrestling the New Japan strong style ask flow the way that the AEW roster could do. I can see a lot of AEW guys wrestling the strong style f- matchup. CM Punk not so much; he's an older gentleman. I don't see him trying to transition the style to make it float and work with the hardcore strong style of New Japan, especially the way the AEW crowd, that crowd knows the New Japan audience, and they're going to be craving for it once New Japan comes over your full forbidden door. I don't see CM Punk's work going to transition over into that, to be honest with you. I don't. So I can see this being a tag team situation. But with Hangman, if Heyman was still world champion, him versus Okada, I can see that all day because Heyman knows the New Japan's style. He's worked it. And man likes to get down, brutal, and nasty with people. And Okada, in a strong style, they like to hit hard. They're snug. I mean, snug. Hard, snug. But they can get down and they make you look tough. That's what I'm saying. Punk is an older statesman. He's not going to be able to do that. So I want to see where we're going down with Forbidden Door. I want to see where we're leading this thing to. I'm interested in it. Um, I don't know where we're going, but we shall see. But uh full gear, not a bad pay-per-view. It was straight. Tony Khan, you gotta fix this stuff up, man. You gotta look into it. When you build in your all out card that's happening what in September? Because you already got your uh Forbidden Door card. I'm not even tripping off that. When you go into your all out card, that's your next big pay-per-view besides Forbidden Door. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm already looking past for Ben Door, so scratch that. When you look at All Out, you got to start condensing your card to make it worthwhile, to make it worth the time for people to be staying up instead of putting on a 12-match pay-per-view card, and some of those matches could have been on for Dynamite or Rampage. Just saying. That's just a fan talking to an owner, a fan that's been watching the product, a fan that just... Watching people online talking about it. Just saying, you need to start condensing your pay-per-views, my guy. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, uh, this has been your AEW Double or Nothing review. Again, great, good pay-per-view. Nothing bad to say about it that bad, but it was all a good pay-per-view. Um, I would suggest you guys, please, please, please listen to my Sunday episode of me talking about what's going down in the world, was basically happened in the, the world last week, uh, the shooting in Texas, I talked about that for about a good 30 minutes, not 30, but 40 minutes, because I got more in depth into that, and I would like for people to really listen to it, and people to understand where I think we need to be heading into. Again, I wish nothing but the best for the people in Texas that lost children, I Wish nothing for the best of people in Texas that lost parents because there was a couple that, um, there were children that lost a mother or father literally that week. Um, I just wish the best for everybody, love and prayers for everybody in Texas, love and prayers for everybody in the world. Please don't be a dick. Please be nice to everybody because you don't know what anybody's dealing with. All right. So if you haven't checked it out, please check out the Sunday episode. But anyway, with that all being said, this has been wrestling highlights of the week. My two cents podcast podcast. Uh, giving you uh, your AEW Dynamite, not Dynamite, your AEW uh, Double or Nothing uh, review. With that being said, I love you guys. Please take care. Please have a great Memorial Day. I love you. I'll hear from you guys on, uh, you'll hear from me on Saturday or Sunday. But with that all being said, Kanye, can you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh Jesus wet.